Good morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, silver linings yesterday, and most people focusing on Republican Senate pickups. Most people of the conservative political persuasion focusing on the Senate pickups. Uh, we talked a little bit to, to Selena Zito about uh, somewhat of a surprise victory by Mike DeWine holding the governor's mansion and the Republican Party in Ohio, a key state, obviously, when you think about presidential politics. Yeah. People thinking about that. I may think about some local uh, races in their state. Um, one of the things I think that's underappreciated is how much more we're going to be hearing from the intellectuals of the Democrat majority oh. in the House. Uh, no more pronounced intellectual idea person than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And, and again, if you haven't heard her hold forth on matters healthcare policy and economics then you're really missing out alexandria ocasio cortez sat down on a porch stoop that's where she likes to hang man with the peeps aoc from the the block (laughs) what i'm sorry aoc aoc from the block (laughs) don't be fooled by the rocks rocks that that she's got i'm still aoc aoc from the block yeah used to have a little now i have a lot now do, with, congressional member. Uh, now do it with Jorge Ramos. Who don't be her. fooled by the blocks that I got. I'm still Jorge Ramos from the block. Used yeah. to have a little, but now I'm not. It's great. Thank now you. I got a Facebook show because I am not. I am not. Is he no longer with Univision? I have no idea. Don't care. Uh, they sat down to talk a little bit of the big ideas emanating from the left. You heard from uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, last night, uh, like Medicare for all. You heard it from Spalding here in Illinois. Same thing same kind of thing. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, get used to uh, two years of her elevation and cable news channels, and it'll be interesting to see if Nancy Pelosi goes along with it. Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. Is it too expensive? No. People often say, like, how are you going to pay for it? And I find the question so puzzling because how do you pay for something that's more affordable? How do you pay for cheaper rent? How do you pay for You just pay for it. <laughs> We're paying more now. So it's not that our that we're saying this whole system is free. Yeah. It's saying it is free of cost at the point of service. So that means that you're not delaying going to the dentist. Because you're not you money. because yeah. you don't have the cash at the point of service. Mm. Number nine, tuition-free public universities for mm-hmm. all. Who, who pay for that? So we already pay for tuition-free K through 12. And in the same way that we made a decision as a country to say we need to educate people to a 12th grade level, our economy has evolved, and that means we need to make the decision to educate people to a trade school or collegiate level. So we can afford that? Absolutely. Was she speaking English? I'm I'm dizzy. I mean, I'm literally dizzy uh, from those explanations for Medicare for All and Free Public University, but I'm not that bright, so we need to enlist somebody a little smarter. Matthew Cottonetti, he's the editor of the Washington Free Beacon, Contributing editor to the Weekly Standard, and he joins us now. Matthew, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, so um, uh, that's some of the sort of intellectual uh, ammo that's going to be provided as talking points for the left, I presume, while most of what the House Democrats are going to do is just to try and tie up the White House with investigations. Is that a fair assessment? Right. Well, you know, the media spotlight has been on uh, – brilliant Ocasio-Cortez since she won that upset uh, last July. She is not going to be a major influence in the Democratic majority beginning next year. And the real driver of that majority will be, as it has been since 2002, 
Nancy Pelosi. And um, you're right. Uh, while they tie up the administration as best they can with the investigations, uh, they are going to be moving policy-wise, I think, probably for uh, some you know, prescription drug measures and probably an infrastructure bill. But here's the thing, though. They only have the House. And you know, as Republicans experience this, after uh, Republicans took the House in 2010, there's not much you can do when you only have the House of Representatives. Not only are you going to be checked by an eventual presidential veto, but you're going to be checked by the Senate. And so I don't see a lot of policy coming from this Democratic House um, unless, unless both the White House and Pelosi decide that they want to make some compromises on issues like infrastructure, prescription drugs, um, immigration, and entitlement. Are you factoring in the um, otherworldly power of having a Native American lesbian in the caucus? Because Van Jones says this is very important. Right. And, yeah, well, but, you know, the funny thing to me is that whatever Van Jones says, uh, how did the Democrats win their majority? Well, they won their majority by running basically middle-of-the-road candidates in suburban districts. It's the same way Democrats have won the majority in 2006. Right now, actually, they're underperforming their 2006 gains. They won 31 seats in 2006. Right now, they're winning 26, and they might get up to 29. So they're underperforming what they did in 2006. Uh, so when I think of this new majority, you're thinking people like, um, you know, Spamberger, who won that close race in uh, Virginia Dave 7. Bratt. I mean, you, you, yeah, against Dave Bratt. You're looking at um, the, uh, you know, uh, kind of moderate uh, types. They're, they're, they're not the um, identity politics left. They're not the Ocasio-Cortez left, you know. Um, um, so what they're going to do, and I think they're under some conflicting pressures here because obviously they they're going to interpret their victory the democrats will as a rebuke of trump to send a message on trump check trump and investigate trump not that you know i find that amusing because trump is like the most scrutinized president in my life <laughs> yeah, right, right? Yeah. but whatever the democrat now the democrats are going to do it um but on the other hand here's the thing about these races they're all tight they are all tight look at virginia seven it was like a few thousand votes what this means is they're going to have to hew some, somewhat near the middle if they want to keep their seats. And so uh, I'm very interested in what uh, the Democratic House majority is going to do. I think they're going to easily screw this up. I mean, think about it. They, these, this party of youth and progress has put into uh, leadership in the House a group of uh, politicians whose collective age is older than the United States. You, know, wow. you, have, you, have, the, you have the 79-year-old Pelosi. You have the 80-year-old uh, Steny Hoyer. I think uh, Clyburn's 78. If Barbara Lee from California gets in, she's like a sprightly 72, I mm -hmm. think, in that number four position. And so what you, you're going to have great tensions within the caucus, you know, not, uh, not ideological tensions, demographic tensions in terms of the generations and meanwhile you you know they're going to pass these bills that are going to go nowhere once right. they reach the senate well looking at the larger picture in 2020 um republicans lost a lot of governorships last night illinois wisconsin scott walker lost we lost in michigan and pennsylvania and those are key states when it comes to the 2020 election uh, for president is that going to how is president trump going to work with that I don't think it matters. I'm a contrarian on this. Look, 
they they lost these states. Why did they lose these states? Well, it's eight years after they won them in 2010. And when they won them in 2010, did that affect the 2012 presidential result? No. Obama won all of these states two years after he lost the governorships and Senate races in them. It, what's interesting to me is, even though you're right, they lost Wisconsin. Now, look, Scott Walker's already been elected three times, right? He was elected the first time, then they had to recall, then he was elected to his secretary. He was trying for a fourth electoral victory, and he lost, a narrow loss. Um, so you have that, you have there. Uh, but meanwhile, you have Mike DeWine winning in Ohio, you have Kim Reynolds in Iowa, and you have the big one, which is uh, DeSantis in Florida, all Republican. Mm-hmm. So and to that extent, I actually think it's a very mixed message. I think Republicans were expecting a far worse night in the governor's mansions and state houses than they actually had. So this isn't a blue wave. It's, I'm, the way I'm conceiving is almost a blue whirlpool. You know, there are certain areas of the country that are that just clearly are um, turned off by President Trump and his behavior, his rhetoric, and his policies. But the thing is, they're not. It's not the entire country. They're pockets, and these tend to be the pockets that are suburban uh, or urban, urban suburban, and filled with basically people who have high levels of uh, schooling um, and just don't. They, yeah. they just are repelled by it. We call once you go beyond those places, though. Right. Trump is doing fine. <laughs> we, we those we call those people low information voters. Yeah. Um, right, they're ter- they're the MSNBC voter. You yeah. know, that's the thing. They're watching MSNBC. They read the New York Times, they watch CNN, and they think the world is falling apart. Um, and then you go beyond that line, that suburban line, to people who are, you know, they're just kind of maybe they're watching Trump, they kind of like him. They don't pay much attention to politics. Most Americans don't pay much attention to politics. And, well, you know, the country's doing pretty well. Uh, I wanted to get your take on, on the other side of so much focus on the Democrats since they took over. But with Paul Ryan exiting, uh, did Kevin McCar- McCarthy become the uh, House Minority Leader, and what kind of leadership team are we going to have among House Republicans and their posture and interaction with uh, McConnell's majority over in the Senate? Sure. Well, I, you know, I think uh, the loss actually makes McCarthy's position a little bit stronger. Uh, you know, he will be challenged. I think Jim Jordan already threw his hat in the ring to, to challenge the minority leadership position. But, you know, um, uh, the Republican House minority might want a tactician like McCarthy. It's really what he is. He's also a very savvy political operator, and so they're going to already they're going to think about well, how do we get this majority back? It's, it is not out of the realm of possibility that you get it back even two years from now. Um, <clears throat> so I think they might want McCarthy. How does that interact with McConnell? I don't I don't really know. You know, I mean, the big players now, of course, will be Pelosi, McConnell, and Trump. And um, they're going to have – I think we will have serious budget negotiations. I think that will be happening. I'm not sure in what direction. Um, uh, typically, when you have divided government, government spending goes down. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen this time. Um, uh, McConnell, of course, with an expanded majority, is going to continue uh, um, confirming those constitutionalist originalist judges, which has been the real hallmark an achievement of the Trump presidency to date. And now he has more of a buffer if you have another Supreme Court seat open up in the next two years. So, uh, you know, I'd be happy if I'm Mitch McConnell. Um, uh, Be disappointed if you're a House Republican. Uh, Though, let's be honest here, it's not like the House Republicans are really a, you know, 
bustle of activity over the last year. <laughs> they passed that tax bill last December. They really haven't done anything since. Um, they didn't really have a message going into this House uh, election. Um, so you're probably like, well, how do we recover? How do we get back in the majority, which is conceivable, if not two years, then then certainly in, in down the road. And the Senate Republicans uh, upgrading both uh, in Arizona and Tennessee, one could argue, and having a little bit more margin for error for that next Supreme Court justice so we don't have to uh, rely on Susan Collins to do her William Jennings Bryan impersonation next next go around. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, and a more conservative uh, Senate GOP, too. I mean, you look at Josh Hawley defeating Claire McCaskill. Hawley met his wife while clerking for Justice Roberts. Right. He is a serious intellect in addition to being a serious conservative. I think he's going to make a great senator. I'm excited to have him on the way to Washington, D.C. Rick Scott. I mean, look at Rick Scott. You know, yeah. there's probably going to be an automatic recount there. But I think there were automatic recounts for his other two victories as governor. <laughs> This guy, he spends a lot of his own money in all these races, but he is a fighter and uh, effective. And um, when he was in the governor's office for the last eight years, quite, you know, had fairly positive job approval because he's a competent executive. I'm interested to see how he manages in in, uh, Mitch McConnell's Senate. And let's not forget Mitt Romney is on his way to Washington, D.C. So uh, you're going to have Mitt uh, there in the mix as well, you know. so the Senate, I think, will be very interesting. You got Mike Braun, who yeah. this is fascinating. The same thing happened in the Senate races this year as happened uh, four years ago in 2014, where the Senate polling showed extremely tight races in 2014, and and it ended up being a Republican blowout. Uh, I think of Tom Cotton, who I think the polls right before Election Day 2014 had Tom, you know, up to he ended up winning by I think 14 points. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at what Hawley did to, to McCaskill. You look at um, uh, Kramer. You look at Braun. And I think that Braun, you know, there were some polls going into Election Day that had Donnelly up. Braun did great. Um, so I think he, he proved himself as well. And then, uh, yeah, the, so then we're looking for a very close race in Arizona with McSally. It looks like she should be able to pull it out. And we're still waiting. I think there's about 86% of the voting in Montana. And right now, uh, Rosendale's up. But I'm not sure that if that's going to hold. He is Matthew Continetti, editor of the Washington Free Beacon, contributing editor to the Weekly Standard. Matthew, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. <laughs>